We are dealing in Genesis chapter 42 this morning. Genesis applied. We're going to take chapter 42 and see what applications we can draw to our own personal Christian walk. Here are the five questions that I always provide for the School of Biblical Studies and those of you who are just studying along on your own. Go ahead and screenshot that. And we'll move into the lesson this morning. All right, here we go. Genesis chapter 42. I'm going to... I'm going to title this particular lesson, Tough Love is Still Love. I think chapter 42 might be one of the best chapters in, this, in the whole Bible for us to discuss the idea of tough love. And Joseph is going to be the deliverer of tough love. Really powerful passage, though. And I know that there are many parents, grandparents, etc., that are struggling with, with children, perhaps have gone off into drug abuse or whatever it may be. And you're really struggling with how do you bring them back to the Lord? What can I do? Well, this lesson is going to, I think, make direct applications to some of, of y'all and how that uh, you need to react and, and deal with individuals who are in sinful life, lifestyles such as that. In Genesis chapter 42, verses 1 through 4, it says, Jacob learned there was grain for sale in Egypt. And he said to his sons, why do you look at one another? What are you doing standing around here looking at each other? And he said, behold, I have heard that there is grain for sale in Egypt. Go down and buy grain for us there that we may live and not die. So 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. Important part of the story. Only 10 of them go. There's 12 altogether, right? 10 of them go. Joseph's done gone. They're fixing to meet up with him, but they don't know it's Joseph. They think he's dead. So Joseph's gone. That makes 11. And then, but Jacob did not send Benjamin. He's the 12th. Joseph's brother with his brothers, for he feared that harm might happen to him. So this trip, Joseph, Benjamin's not going. All right. Now, it plays a real important part in what we're going to see here with regards to tough love. But this trip, Benjamin doesn't show up. So 10 brothers are going down to Egypt to see if they can buy some grain. Tough love. First thing I want you to notice is that Joseph saw God's leading. His tough love evidently was prompted by what he sees God doing in the situation. I think this is a very, very important application because sometimes I think we uh, we call it tough love when it's actually just us striking out. It's us it, it's it's us trying to trying to levy some kind of a punishment that really wasn't for you and I to decide. We got to really be careful, parents, grandparents, and others, that in our tough love that we see. God's prompting in the need to be tough with our love. Notice the, the text here that I pulled out of chapter 42. Now, Joseph was governor of the land. He was one who had who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and they bowed themselves before him. Hold on to that thought. With their faces to the ground, Joseph saw his brothers and he recognized them, but he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. Where did you where do you come from? He said, They said we come from the land of Canaan to buy grain. Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. So that's important too. So Joseph sees what's going on, they don't. And verse 9 is very key to this point. And Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed of them. When did what prompted Joseph to think of those dreams? Joseph's brothers come, Joseph recognizes his brothers. They don't recognize him, but one of the first things his brothers do is fulfill the dreams that he had years ago. They bow before him. My point is that Joseph recognized God's leading in this. Now, the entire life of Joseph, admittedly, is full of the leadership of God. I mean, you go all the way back to, to Potiphar and him rising to the 
place where he would be the one who's in charge of the whole household. Then he gets put, you know, falsely accused, put into jail, and he becomes the guy who runs the whole jail system. And then he's got the two guys that he interprets the dreams, one of which goes back to the to Pharaoh, and later, much later, he finally remembers Joseph. Joseph gets pulled out, and he begins, he interprets the dreams of, of Pharaoh by the help of God, and all of a sudden, he's second in command. So the entire life of Joseph is full of God leading. But you and I tend to watch Joseph's life like we read a novel, as if everything's happening, bop, 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 bop. But we got to remember that Scripture indicates that he was taken captive or traded by his brothers, sold by his brothers, about 17. And we know that he comes into command about 30. So over 10 years... This young man has struggled with the process of God in his life, and then really beyond that, all right? But my point is that as he sees his brothers come in, and no doubt prompted by them bowing, he is reflecting upon the dreams, and he recognizes that he sees God's leadership in this. Always test your motives. As you're about to exert tough love, test your motives. I haven't always been good at this, and I apologize to those who I've hurt when I've had bad motives. But if we test our motives and we believe that it's God who is prompting us to be tough in our love, then we can be assured that what we're doing is appropriate and it will bring the results that God desires to bring to bear on this particular situation. Notice that he is going to speak roughly to them. So we've got tough love happening. As Joseph, step number one, he looks for God's leading. He sees God's leading, and therefore he is tough in his love. I said something just this morning, earlier on in our Sunday school class, and I posted it this morning. It sounded a little bit tough. Uh, it, it sounded like a little bit harsh. You know, here we are in the midst of the beginning of a war, and, and as we're seeing this transpire on our planet, and we're all concerned. I said to, to folks, as I put it on social media, and as I said in the Bible class, some of us need to consider our Christianity. Some of us are way too content with just going to the to the vanity building and sitting in a pew facing the back of the head of the fellow in front of us and, and acting like we're paying off God because we spent an hour or two listening to some boring sermon or whatever it may be. It's time for us to up our game. I'm, I'm, I'm truly afraid that many of us in the church today are like the five foolish virgins, and we don't have enough oil. I beg of you to recognize that there are times when we see God's leading, that we have got to speak harshly, strong, poignant, right at the, we got to say it. And I'm telling you right now, as our world erupts in war, I'm telling you, it's time for Christians to get off their backside and stop being convenient in their Christianity and recognize we need to be intimate in our time with God. That's why I called the folks earlier. I said, look, you need to bring your family together in the intimacy of your living room and have some real prayer time up approaching the, the, the throne of God because of the conditions of our world today and what's going to happen to your children, etc. Much of that intimacy cannot be experienced in corporate Christianity sitting in a pew. My question is, at what point do you ever get to the point where you recognize the need for change, you recognize the leadership of God, and you'll speak the blunt truth? My ministry has hurt horribly over the last five or six years because we have been willing to speak the blunt truth. We have lost, I, I would say it's easy, I think I could easily say we've lost over half of our support over the last five years because of the blunt truth. 
which God continues to validate, but nobody seems to want to hear. If you see God's leading and your motives of the heart are correct, you need to speak bluntly. Have tough love. Number two, he didn't just see God's leading. He tested the sincerity of those that he was hoping to bring or see if they have come to a proper relationship with God. He said to them, no, it is the nakedness of the land that you've come. He's accusing them of being spies. And they said, we are your servants. We are your servants. We're, we're, excuse me, we your servants are 12 brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest in the, is this day with our father, and one is no more. The youngest, of course, is Benjamin. The one who is no more is the guy they're talking to, Joseph, but they don't know that. But Joseph said to them, It is as I said to you, you're spies. But this shall be tested. Excuse me, by this you shall be tested. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not go from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. And so he's going to tell them essentially, I need you to, uh, I want to see this, this youngest brother. And so what you find in the second part of our story is that Joseph's going to put them to the test. He's going to test their sincerity. So moms, dads, uh, grandparents, uh, those, working with individuals who are difficult, perhaps individuals uh, I have worked in my lifetime, I've, I've worked with several who, who struggle with drug abuse, and uh, they, they tend to go in cycles. They can be on fire for the Lord and trying to get in there and repent, and then they're off, and they're, they're gone, and, and you... you we tend, to, we tend to give up on people like that. Perhaps you've seen an individual who, who will come back, they'll, they'll respond to the invitation, they'll come back to the Lord's church, and, and for you know three or four years they're just on fire doing good things, and then slowly they peter out and they, they go off into the world again. And then they come back, and it's through that cycle. We tend to give up on folks like that. And God forgive us for doing that. Life is tough. And for those of you, you and I who have been playing the game, as it were, throughout our history as Christians, as if we have never walked away from the Lord, you can sit in a pew and walk away from the Lord. We need to be careful as we make these judgments. The second thing that Joseph does, though, is he tests their sincerity. And if you find a sincere heart that is crumbled before God, wanting repentance, you must not say, yeah, but six months from now, you're probably going to walk out the doors and never be back again for another two or three years. You can't do that. Their heart right now is sincere. It's broken before the, the God of heaven, and you need to make sure that you, as you test them for their sincerity and you find that there is sincerity there, you need to come to their aid. Number three, Joseph is going to demand a sacrificial proof of their sincerity. Then he said to one of they, then they said to one another, In truth, we are guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the distress of his soul. They're speaking about Joseph, when he begged us and we did not listen. Probably as they're hearing him beg from the bottom of that well, that bottom of that pit, and he's begging, brothers, don't do this. He said, We didn't listen. That is why the distress has come upon us. They have concluded that their brother Joseph, who they don't even know where he's at, they have no clue that they're actually standing in front of him. This all stuff. This this is all coming on us because of that horrible thing we did to our brother years ago, and Reuben answered them as if this is going to help. I told you so. Did I not tell you not to sin against the boy? But you did not listen. So now there comes a reckoning for his blood. So Reuben kind of he he nails it. He says this is all coming down upon us because we did not listen. They did not know that Joseph understood them. For there was an interpreter between them. Remember, at this point, they, they have no clue that it's, that it's Joseph. 
He's all dolled up, no doubt, in the in the dress of Egypt, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And there's this interpreter. He's no doubt speaking Joseph. That is, he's speaking the language of Egypt. They're not speaking that language, and so they feel like that they've got a. Eh, I, sometimes I'll go and eat at a Mexican restaurant. Love Mexican food, and sometimes the waiter uh, will will speak to another waiter in Spanish. And I don't, I don't understand it, but my, my boys and, and my wife, they've studied a little bit of Spanish, and some of them, they can pick up on some words that are going there. And, and you know, they, as you pick up on some of these words, sometimes, you know, you wonder whether or not they're actually being complimentary towards somebody else, you know? Well, that's what's happening here. Joseph doesn't let them know, I, I understand. He doesn't let them know right now. In fact, watch what happens. There was an interpreter between them. They don't know it's Joseph, and it says that, Joseph then turns away from them and he weeps. You know why he weeps? Because he loves his brothers. This is tough love. He loves his brothers. And he's weeping because he recognizes that they recognize what they have done. And they're sorry for it. He weeps. But I want you to notice what he does next. In spite of the fact that he recognizes and he's weeping about it, notice what he does next. He goes by and weeps. Then he returns to them, and he speaks to them. And he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. The plan is still ongoing. The fact that he has recognized that they have had some remorse doesn't end the test, the situation. He demands a sacrificial proof. And the sacrificial proof is actually bigger than Simeon, but Simeon's going to stay behind. And then they're going to go home and eventually run out of food and going to have to come back with Benjamin. That will be the big one. Whether or not they recognize, whether they are able to convince Daddy to bring Benjamin down. And that sacrificial experience is going to what's going to put the nail, if you will, in the... And Joseph, uh, at that point, Joseph's going to, he's going to say to them, I'm your brother. And then they're all going to weep because of what took place, okay? But he demands sacrificial proof. So if you're dealing with somebody who's struggling with whatever it may be, drug abuse or, or you know, self-destructive lifestyles, that kind of thing, look for God's leading. When God opens that door, you step in and be willing to be blunt if necessary. Tough love. Test the sincerity of the person at the moment. It doesn't mean that these individuals are not going to fall back into it because it seems to be life the way that we often do that. We fall back into our ruts. But the fact is they're sincere right now. And if they are, celebrate that sincerity. And then... Demand some sacrificial proof. One of the reasons that our accountability groups, um, you know, whatever it happens to be, one of the reasons they work is because there is the sacrificial admission of who you are and the struggles that you have and the individual that you are accountable to who's looking out for you and checks in on you several times a week or whatever it may be. Or, and if you find yourself being tempted to go back into that lifestyle, you know you can reach out to them and they'll be there just to support you, etc. Demand sacrificial proof that we're going to make progress on this. That's what Joseph did, and it worked with his brothers. We'll see that next chapter. So there's your three points for today. Tough love, it's still love. It may be a difficult love to express because as a parent, tough love is one of those, you, you don't want to do that, but it may be the only way you're going to get through. And so if you're going to practice tough love, make sure that you also practice these three points that you can find in Genesis chapter 42. Here are the five questions we tried to cover. 
screenshot that. We'll move along. Boy, I appreciate you all for being with me. Thank you so much. I love you. Sonny Chow saying, be there, Matthew 16, 26.